0: Yeah, essentially because, like, you think of PTA as, like, well, one, he doesn't use a lot of soundtrack. I mean, and I'm honestly, I'm not the biggest, like, P T like, obviously I like him, but I haven't seen a lot of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of his movies don't use soundtrack. And this one does until, like, one part, really, which is, like, when oh. the movie, like, totally flips.
1: Yeah, okay, so.
0: Which is, like, pretty interesting. Like, it's, it's one, yeah, it's bangers, like, from wall to wall, except for, like. Yeah. 15 minutes of the movie where it's like terrifying.
1: So f- with Tim, who was on last week's episode, we were joking about how he's the music guy and he was a week early on the music forward movie. And now this week we have you on, a sports guy, uh-huh. and next week we're doing Rocky.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. I was wondering what yeah. sports movies were in the canon. Rocky was yeah. the one I was like, that has to be a no-brainer, but Rocky's I don't know what the- else would have been.
1: Yeah. I think Raging Bull is. Raging
0: but- B- yeah. Raging Bull, I mean, it has one of the coolest like sports scenes in movies, yeah. but it's not really a sports movie.
1: Like, no, it's more just um, like, a. this boxing movies are kind of cheating.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's like men like,
1: Yeah. And Rocky's like not even really a sports movie. There's like not a lot of boxing in it.
0: No, there's not. The later Rockies are more of sports movies. Yeah. The first one is more, I mean, it's not raging bull, but it's like the same idea where it's, it's just about a, a person.
1: It's yeah. a dude. <laughs> yeah. A movie about a guy. Sweet. So, listeners, that uh, that voice that you're hearing opposite me is my good friend David Wilson, writer for the Miami Herald and co-host of the Heat Check podcast, the Herald's what uh, what heat
0: would you podcast. call it, marquee
1: yeah. Heat podcast? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, it's our Heat podcast. Just just
1: the Heat podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you can also catch him on like every other Miami Herald podcast that. Is available to listen to. Right, what else are you on? Is it yeah, Eyes yeah, on the U or on Eye, on
0: the, eye U. on the U, which is our U- University of Miami podcast? You know, we do we do a bunch of shows, like one a week. If you're like Miami sports and you're listening to this for some reason, feel free to subscribe. We got the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Uh, I know that's Raft's entryway into the Miami yeah. sports universe uh, via the Dan Levitard universe.
1: That's my guy. I also um, write sad. a
0: lot, so subscribe to your local newspaper. How about that? that that's going to be my uh, my plug.
1: Dude, local newspapers are awesome. I don't know if you've listened to any of our shows, David, but one of our contributors for the Canon, or not for the Canon, for Screen Age Wasteland, he also is a writer for a local newspaper oh, nice. out in Alabama. So,
0: I think I listened to are, an episode. Was he on your toys? I've listened to some of your episodes just like as I watch a movie. Like, I'll be like, yeah. all right, I'll see if you got
1: he was on back to the future and that's the one yeah it wasn't your back
0: to the future one yeah Yeah.
1: so we are we're doing our part here at the canon to support uh (laughs) local journalism because it's very important but i am pretty sad that you weren't able to get your colleague greg cody to come on with us even though he famously doesn't know movies and is probably too big of a name for this for the saw <laughs> cannon for the, to get for the, the yeah. cannon yeah especially within like our first two months as a podcast you know maybe maybe a, a little bit down the road we'll get them but uh i mean i think you're you gonna do scarface
0: too. or you know you gotta you gotta like work some miami movies i actually then, i like, watched scarface
1: like, yeah. super recently
0: i'd never seen it until pretty recently also and then my wife and i went to a costume wedding and being from miami we're like we gotta yeah. do something miami-ish so we watched Scarface pretty good
1: it's it's pretty solid it's very miami very miami
0: and rappers love it like all like the 90s rap albums slash early 2000s rap albums that i loved they're all scarface references
1: which is reasonable doubt it's like all scarface references tony montana is like an awful character like you know (laughs) from the beginning that he's doomed to fail (laughs) because of how much of a bonehead he is but yeah people still love him that's like film bro 101 stuff yeah
0: exactly
1: (laughs) all right so we're here to talk about boogie nights but before we get into boogie nights we've already talked about a little bit because you you know because of your day job what you do what you cover i feel like it's important for us to get the miami sports i'm from new york so there's a lot of new york miami sort of rivalry stuff going on. So I feel like I have to get these questions out of the way. Yeah, just we're recording while,
0: this what, three days after the heat ended the next season?
1: Yeah. So all right. I think the funny thing <laughs> is I was in I was in Miami hanging out with you about a month ago. And we were talking about doing this episode and when it was going to be released and you're like, yeah, that should totally be fine. You know, the Panthers and the Heat probably won't make runs in the playoffs. Yeah. So like, <laughs> it'll just be like Marlon stuff and, and like maybe some like early UM football stuff. But it'll be like a pretty quiet time around then.
0: I remember we were like Would watching you, a big Knicks game, I think. For, yeah. Wasn't there like some big Knicks Because they were like fighting for seeding, I think, back then.
1: Yeah. It was either been like been the, early playoffs or like yeah, late I think it regular season. Yeah, actually, might have been the very season.
0: beginning of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, um, like the Knicks won but, their first their first game against Cleveland, and yeah. you know, me and the rest yeah, of the New York City. Yeah, the we started. On, now that I'm on top of like, the world, what my
0: work schedule was when you were here. Yes, so. but it was
1: still like <laughs> the idea was like, oh yeah, it won't be an issue. You know, yeah. <laughs> the Panthers and the Heat will be out of the playoffs by then. Yeah, eight they're both seeds. Eight, eight seeds. You know, there there's no way that the Heat are beating, uh, Giannis and the Bucks. And there's no way that the Panthers are beating. Wasn't it the greatest regular season? The Bruins, season yeah, who set like all of the regular team. season wins, yeah.
0: points. Yeah, so, records.
1: here we are. We're recording a few days before this is released because that would otherwise conflict with both Eastern Conference Finals for both of those teams, and we wanted to make sure that we could get you on the show. So, we're doing it now, but. I just want you to like walk me through what the hell is going on down there? What's in the water? Like, what is the scene like in Miami? Is it crazy? Is Miami the new Boston? Or are you guys the biggest sports <laughs> town in, in the country? Like, what the I don't hell know about is happening? That,
0: but it is crazy. I mean, it, it's definitely a heat town, Miami. Like, it's it's a Dolphins town first and foremost. But mm-hmm. the Heat have been, you know, for basically our entire lives at this point, they've been good. Like, even going back to the '90s before they were really good. They had great Knicks rivalries. And then obviously Dwayne Wade comes and they win the title in 06. And then the big three happens. So the Heat, like, it's not... This is their third time in four years going to the East Finals. It's surprising because they stunk in the regular season. But it's not surprising because they're like the Heat and they have a big fan base. And, you know, like they're, they're, they're Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler. The Panthers, they were really good last year. It was like kind of surprising that they were bad in the regular season. The, the two teams that had weirdly mirror image seasons of each other but it's honestly that's been a cool story because it's south florida and it's hockey and like you know (laughs) who plays hockey in south florida although coincidentally one of the guys they're playing in the conference finals on on carolina from fort lauderdale so uh one of the few nhl players from florida but yeah it's cool i mean they've they got a really good you know it's a smaller fan base certainly but um, mm-hmm. It's growing, and you know it, it's interesting because the, the two teams actually play pretty far apart from each other. They're both South Florida, but the Heat play in downtown Miami, and the Panthers play in like suburban Fort Lauderdale. So they definitely like draw from different fan bases. Like everyone yeah. is a Heat fan because they're so good, and that the, the Panthers have always been like more the team of like the suburbs and Broward County. But you know, I, I I've been covering them kind of off and on for the last couple of years. And they're a team like because they've been good now for a couple of years. Like this run is out of nowhere, but they've been successful. People have been excited about it. So it's, it's cool to like watch a city kind of like learn to love a team. And um, I don't know if that really answered your question as to what's in the water. What's in the water is that they have Jimmy Butler and Matthew <laughs> Kachuk, who's basically hockey Jimmy Butler. So we uh, okay. got the right idea of like you want to have like two jackasses who are also really good and everyone has yeah. play against them.
1: Okay, so it's nothing in the water. There's no, no like water supply that we can steal from Miami and bring up to New drain York. Drain the Everglades? Yeah, and just, just bring it up to, to the Long Island. Well, sound he kind of did,
0: right? They stole Pat Riley from the from the Knicks way back when. So they, they yeah. kind of stole New York's A
1: 100%. Uh, this is so off topic, but have you ever read Blood in the Garden, the book no, about.
0: I, I need to. Yeah, it came the out a couple years ago, right? The Chris Herring. Book. Yeah, and
1: yeah. then it ends with Pat Riley leaving the Knicks leaving, to go to Miami uh, and james dolan taking over and everything is miserable <laughs> since then and that's been like my entire yeah,
0: it's kind of like, like it's kind of like my... boogie nights right the first half great and then yeah it
1: goes <laughs> and off then the things rails. get re- really really sad but unlike boogie nights the nick story never gets happy at the yeah
0: end. again <laughs> like there's
1: no, it doesn't circle back around to the happy eh, happy ending okay so we don't know what's in the water i am like still reeling from the heat Ripping out the hearts of me and every other Knicks fan, even though as a Knicks fan I should have known that yeah uh, we couldn't could not have relied on Julius Randle to take us to the promised land. But <laughs> thus is the life of a sports fan. And I promise for those of you who are just here for movies, we will get to that stuff soon. But yeah, just skip ahead again, in like
0: five minutes or whatever.
1: Yeah, but you know we're we're here. Dave is with us, so I have to ask these questions. Some other I think interesting. Sports related New York Miami questions are sort of more looking forward. So the Mets are reeling right now. The Mets are like, that's really my team in terms of sports that I follow. Is there like a real chance that the Miami Marlins finish ahead of the Mets in the standings?
0: I'd be pretty surprised. Although I don't think the Marlins are bad. They should be a fighting for 500 team all year, I think. They got good pitchers. They're young. They got some good young pitchers. Their, Their hitting is. Uh, they got Luis Arias, who's like
1: killing it on my fantasy yeah, team. Yeah, he's
0: on your fantasy team, I think, if I yeah. remember correctly. Uh, he's batting like four hundred, so yeah, um, it's probably not all going to hold up. But they're they're more competitive. The I mean, the Mets. You know, I don't I haven't followed baseball super closely because I've been busy with our winter yeah. sports. <laughs> but um, I know the Mets lost to my beloved Nationals yeah. earlier today, so can't be going well for them because the Nats are pretty terrible.
1: Yeah, it's not good. It it's not a great scene. For the New York Metropolitans, right? The Mets
0: now. have to lead the majors in like, yeah, we're just checking on this guy's elbow. We think it's all right, but we're just checking yeah. on it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's going in for a second look.
0: Yeah, we, yeah. yeah we're just, just to be safe.
1: We have for the last like fifteen years. And by we, I mean me, because I I, I do work in the Mets medical yeah. office. Jacob deGrom kinda was
0: carrying that oper- that that stat for a while.
1: Yeah. That was that was his go to. Maybe they, you know, maybe they should have kept him. Are you happy that you're not just covering the Marlins right now and you get to cover well I guess obviously you are happy to be covering the Panthers in heat because they're playing really well and deep into the playoffs but is that better is that more fun than covering just day-to-day Marlins talk
0: yeah it's fun to bounce around a little bit although I've been very locked in on Panthers for the better part of the last couple months as they were like on their playoff push and stuff
1: and you're traveling but, with the team to all those yeah, games. Yeah, I've been
0: traveling the last couple of weeks, so it's it's been hectic. But yeah, it's been fun. Like I mean, like to put in perspective, like how out of nowhere this Panthers' success is is like we have beat writers for every other team in South Florida. Mm-hmm. We do not have a Panthers beat writer. I kind of became the Panthers beat writer. Do not. I think this is the second time I've traveled for to cover Panthers games, and not not counting Tampa, like.
1: like out of state
0: yeah exactly so like it's uh you know it's it's out of nowhere it's a cool story it's um they're they're happy to have uh people excited about them too
1: are you sad you're not traveling to new brunswick new jersey for the panthers (laughs) to play the the devils the devils
0: well i got raleigh north carolina which no disrespect to raleigh north carolina (laughs) but like you know the western conference they're going to vegas
1: yeah just like not hockey towns at all, Vegas, no. South Florida, Raleigh, and I don't know who it could else be is Dallas.
0: It? D- it's Dallas and Seattle. <laughs> One of Dallas or Seattle will move just on. Just all
1: warm cities. It
0: could be all four Sunbelt teams. Yeah.
1: Okay, my this is my I swear this is my last uh, sports question, and then we'll we'll actually get into boogie nights. Kind of in the same vein uh, of uh, Miami sports, like just like absolutely crushing my soul. The Miami Hurricanes, who I think you also cover. Their yeah. basketball team recently made it to the final four. Our beloved Syracuse Orange just parted ways with longtime head coach Jim Beheim. Which team is more likely to make a Final Four appearance first? Uh, or again, probably, I should say.
0: Probably still Miami first. Right. And then Damn it. There's are just been better spot than Syracuse. But Syracuse, I saw they got some seven four transfer from Florida State today. Um, nice. You know, we'll see if Judah Mintz comes back. They got the, the yeah. transfer from Notre Dame. Like, I, I'm I'm pretty excited about where Syracuse basketball is looking. I'm an Adrian Autry guy because he's a D.C. guy. He, he knows the value of recruiting the D.C. The D.C. here.
1: Yeah. Okay, wow. So, I guess as a New York sports fan, it's just more heartbreak to look forward to. Yeah, you got Aaron Rodgers. And though. mostly – oh, that's another great question. Will the Jets finish ahead of the Dolphins no. this year?
0: no. I don't. I'm. 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 done with Aaron Rodgers.
1: <laughs> I'm not even a Jets fan, but like I was yeah, hoping I <laughs> that I could have like one thing. Yeah,
0: exactly. One thing.
1: One bright spot for for New York sports ahead of Miami. Cool. I guess I will. Just like many other New York residents, I will relocate and claim Miami <laughs> to be my my new home. Yeah, there you and go. I'll just I'll be a bandwagon fan for for all those sports teams. Well, that's enough. I guess sports talk because this is a movie podcast, but. I couldn't help myself, and we're not talking about a sports movie. So we got it out of our system, and now we're here for the real deal. What we're here to talk about: Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights. Incredible movie. It's insane to think that this is his second movie, and it was, it's I think even more insane. Twenty-five
0: years old when he started making it. Yeah, right.
1: He was like twenty-seven when he made this. <laughs> Imagine making an all-time great movie at the age of 27. We'll we'll get into the rest of his career uh, a little bit later, but just yeah, just to start off like the balls that it takes to make something like this, let alone to make something like this at the age of 27, and you sort of see it right from the jump. The dude just dives in and he's like, "Hey, yeah. I'm here. My name's Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm really freaking good at making movies and got a great big Here's cock. exhibit A. Yeah, (laughs) he is Dirk Diggler. Like, they are the same person, Um, he's a
0: lot smarter than Dirk Diggler is. But it is like uh, it is like one of the there's a lot, you know, honestly, thematically, I think this movie is kind of simple. But one of the themes is definitely mm -hmm. just like confidence and ego a little bit. Right. You know, Dirk, the whole from the very beginning, we're like, there's no reason for him to think he's going to be big and successful um, other than one gift, I guess. He's, you know, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to be something. I'm going to be a star. And, you know, he's, he's a kid in that. And Paul Thomas Anderson is pretty much a kid when he makes this movie.
1: And he has the confidence to say, look at me. I'm going to be a star. I have a gift. I'm going to share it with everyone. And he does. All right. So before we talk about more of the movie, I just kind of want to get a sense of your history with this movie. I feel like for people our age, this is a big movie to watch in like maybe your late high school years, but definite college years. Yeah. And for those of you listening who don't know, David and I went to college together. So we've probably watched boogie nights in like someone's dorm room together at some point in our lives. I can't say with certainty, but it's a possibility.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny because I actually, one of my first memories of college is we went into your tiny little dorm room and we all watched Goodfellas, which is definitely like, there's a lot of parallels between like, he's clearly very Goodfellas inspired. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's like that vibe of movie. I definitely watched it a lot in like that exact age range—high school, late <laughs> co- or late high school, college. Have not really—I don't think I had probably not seen it in five years before we watched it last night. Weirdly, I feel like I watched like my parents watched it with me at one point, which is weird. But <laughs> my dad definitely like made me watch Goodfellas at one point, also. So not totally off the wall. Um, <laughs> a
1: movie about the porn industry is like yeah, a the weirdest weird, movie that you can but, watch with your parents
0: <laughs> but it's um you know it's it's like a classic right like it's a it's like a bro dude movie but it's also yeah. awesome and you know like has some things to say i guess about the world and family and all that kind of stuff but yeah i mean it's it's like like you said it's that exact age range i'm sure the way that you watch goodfellas and fight club and like it's in that yeah where like you you get a movie poster and you put it on your wall and then you watch it in college
1: but yeah. it's really and, good
0: it's not a lot of those movies are really good but it's really good
1: yeah what was it like rewatching this as not a high schooler or college student like what was it like sort of watching it through the prism of a more mature you know brain that you that you have now that you've experienced a bit of life were there certain things that you were picking up on this time around that you maybe didn't catch the first few times that you watched
0: well one is like i was not you know i wasn't a film major or anything like i I wasn't like a movie guy necessarily like at that time um so a lot of just like the film making tricks and the shots he does like that definitely stood out because like there's some ridiculous shots in this movie um yeah From the very opening scene, which I'm sure we'll like talk about in just a second. Uh, And then to me, as a writer, I'm always like interested in storytelling and and writing. And and like I said, I don't think it's like the most thematically complex movie. Like it's not saying like any it doesn't have like some big, bold take on the world necessarily. But just the way it like tells a story. You know, every person is like a real character, like really fleshed out for the most part. Um, there's a lot of deleted scenes, I guess, which I've not seen that I think probably like some of the characters you're like, uh, maybe a little underwritten, like the Becky Barnett character, I think that is her name. Like there's apparently yeah. a deleted scene with her, you know, some of the characters who don't feel as fleshed out, get those. But to me, that's like what stood out. It's just like every person, they're caricatures, but they're also like real life people. And you feel like, you know, all of them within the first 20 to 30 minutes of the movie. And I, I, People don't necessarily change a lot in the movie, but like, yeah, you get these, you go along these like life stories with them.
1: Yeah. That, well, just John the C. really changes. It out to me. He, uh, yeah, he, he becomes, becomes magician. a magician. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> the most important life change that can happen. So I know you mentioned the, the opening scene, which is absolutely bonkers, uh, that he just like starts the movie with like a two and a half minute one shot that starts with like
0: it has every character in the movie pretty much in it yeah,
1: yeah and then it like does this weird tilt thing and then comes back down and then it pushes into who is it Luis guzman and uh burt yeah. reynolds and their characters and then it like follows them through the club and like you said you, you meet like pretty much every single character besides Maybe Philip Seymour yeah, Hoffman.
0: There's, there's like three or four, characters like Philip Seymour Hoffman's character pops up later. Philip Baker Hall's character pops yeah. up later. We're gonna have to talk about him because that. Yeah, is, <laughs> I I totally forgot he was in this movie. Same. Um,
1: that's that's PTA's boy. He's in know, like know. all of his movies,
0: and he's a great character in this movie. I don't think yeah. I don't know if the colonel's in the opening scene, yeah. but for the most part, yeah, everyone everyone is in there, and you get like a little glimpse of who they all are. Obviously, yeah. Like it's not just little... it's not just show for show. Like it puts you. In a place like it's the same it, way, you
1: know. It drops you in their world, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, you meet everyone. You know, it's very, it's very, like the best Goodfellas tracking shot scenes, right? You do that too, and that's yeah. Yeah, I was going to say it was, I think is yeah,
1: it was very much so. It was taking that scene in Goodfellas where they go through the Copa and they meet all the different characters. It was like that times the scene where he's introducing everyone. And you get you to get Jimmy papers, two times. Get <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was like, it was like a, yeah, a, a, exactly. a mix of those two. And then he was like, what if we just do that as the first thing that you see in the movie? Yeah. Which, again, this movie is so bold. Like That is not something that you do as a second-time filmmaker at the age of 27. Have you seen
0: Heart 8? I've never seen it.
1: I have seen Heart 8. Heart 8 is solid. This is a huge step up from Heart 8. But Heart, Heart 8 is really cool. You should definitely check it out. Especially yeah. if you enjoy PTA and and what he does so circling back to the other thing that you said in terms of like writing and fleshing out characters I feel like this is something that comes up in a lot of PTA movies where his movies don't necessarily lay things out in terms of what it wants to be about in a very simple sort of like explained way to the audience it's not like hey now is a scene where we're going to talk about family and mm-hmm. how you can find family in different places. He's not doing that necessarily, but his movies and his scripts are very clear in like, what they want to be about and what the themes are. But then the filmmaking is so complex and like yeah. advanced that it's easy to get lost in all of that and then think that his writing is also as complex as all of that stuff, which is sort of an interesting trick. But... Obviously, you as a writer, you you sort of picked up on on what he was on what he was putting down.
0: Yeah, I just think he knows who every character like he I mean, like a lot of it's not unusual for writers to like character Bibles. But like you, he knows exactly who all these people are. And I feel like I know who all the people are pretty much by the by the end of the movie. And again, like by the end of the first 45 minutes of the movie.
1: Do you have a favorite character?
0: It's got to be Reed Rothschild, right? We're gonna have to like dedicate some time to John uh, C. Riley. That's John C. Riley. He's great. (sighs) Yeah, I mean the like Burt Reynolds character is great. I mean we're we're too young to be like Burt Reynolds people, right? But so this is like my Burt Reynolds movie. uh, Yeah, but he's like unreal in this, and he hates the movie apparently, or hated the movie apparently. Oh, really? Or hated working with Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay, which which like makes sense when you think of Burt Reynolds as like sixty five years old and like yeah,
1: and he's listening to a twenty six year old kid telling him what to do. (laughs) But yeah, that's such a good shout about this being our Burt Reynolds movie. (laughs) Like, yeah, this is like this is it. I only know him as this and like a character on uh, SNL Celebrity Jeopardy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I mean, it probably John C. Riley is so good. He's Um, so
0: funny in this movie.
1: I do love I'm a sucker for Don Cheadle, so I'm very sympathetic to Buck and his whole story. I think he is a He's
0: got a like kinda interesting story. It like
1: Yeah, inter- he has he, a really like, ni-
0: He's just like a nice guy. Like it's it's Yeah. I, I can't quite know I don't know exactly what they're going for with it. Um it definitely like doesn't it runs parallel in a lot of ways to the rest of the story, but um mm-hmm. yeah love Don yeah, Cheadle. Yeah, he's just love like a shirts.
1: sweet dude who's kind of just along for the ride. He's yeah. not as sweet and hopeless as William H. Macy's character. Like he's sort of somewhere in between that and, and John C. Riley's character. Yeah. Like a, a weird in between. And then f- I, I would say for me, the other great, the other great character is Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's always yeah. fantastic and always fantastic when he works with PTA. But this character is amazing. And he does. I don't know if there's an actor who's ever done more with so little.
0: Yeah, like, he doesn't really
1: have that many lines, but no, he
0: and his best work is like in the background of scenes and yes. like in the side of scenes. Yeah, like the, the first scene when the first we're, we're like jumping all over the movie right now. Yeah, um, that's fine. He's like the, the scene where with the Jack and uh Dirk fight, he's in the background, like freaking out the whole time, dude. That's and... in my notes.
1: <laughs> his reaction in uh, the, the, the background is amazing. The first,
0: the first porn scene he's like at the end of that and they all like go up and shake and <laughs> shake <Sir Bigler's laughs> hand. he's like and they're like trying to get into the circle with everyone
1: he's just also like, his reaction shot is great because he almost drops the boom he's yeah, like, he's, shaking like so much. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good too many great characters
0: everyone it good. is like there's not a bad character in this movie todd yeah. todd is great, todd, todd the, is great. psychopathic uh stripper
1: The wild card. Alfred Molina in his one scene is amazing. Such a weird deviation. Again, that scene, and I know we're jumping all over the place, but (laughs) to be like two hours and 15 minutes into your movie and then be like, I'm going to drop a title card here that says, and one more thing, just like a random Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I'd Eh. written
0: that down, what exactly it said. But there's not a Eh. lot of title cards in this movie. The only other title card I think is 80s, like when it shifts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like... It's kind of out of nowhere and, and random and breaks like structure a little bit, but
1: uh, yeah, yeah. But it, but it's amazing. He's like, ah, before we get out of here, how about this scene? <laughs> yeah. And just dedicates like fifteen minutes to that madness, and then that's it. And then you have like the actual third act of the movie that yeah. comes after that. It's it, it it's wild. Like it, I just can't imagine having the confidence to to do something like that. But you know, when you have a a big gift. You, you can do things like that and you, you believe in yourself. You have the confidence and, and you're going to make it happen. So I know we've been jumping around a lot and we've talked about a lot of different characters. We'll get to, I'm forgetting everyone's name and I, I just refer to them. by, by their actors. The act- yeah, the actors. Yeah. There's the actors. are So
0: it's like weird because the actors are so famous. Like they're also like, I, one of the things I wanted to ask you is just what's your favorite name in this movie? Cause they're like some unreal character names and obviously porn star names. Yeah. Um, But they're also I just have the cast in front of me just so I can remember.
1: Amber Waves,
0: yeah, Amber Waves, very underrated. I mean, obviously, like I, my name on this little thing we have right now is Chest Rockwell. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Amber
1: Waves also like Julianne Moore is amazing in this. Yeah, I mean,
0: everyone's great in this. Like, there's not. Yeah,
1: it's hard to pick out a standout.
0: Too right, I think she was nominated for the Oscar for it. I
1: I would Um, hope so. This is like I think her and Burt
0: Reynolds were the only two, and then the screenplay.
1: It's a ridiculous. Um,
0: um, yeah, like every re- actor is famous. Like it's literally everyone in the main cast is like very famous. Um, yeah. So it's one of those movies where the characters are iconic, and that almost makes it more incredible that you like feel like you know the characters because so many of these actors you know what they're like as actors too. Mm-hmm. Like as yeah. people outs- outside the movies.
1: Okay, I think this is a good segue to to where I wanted to take us next. We haven't talked about the main star. Yeah, that's Dirk.
0: that's where we have to start.
1: Mark Wahlberg and it's really interesting watching this movie sort of knowing where Mark Wahlberg's career went and also what could have been if he continued to take really interesting exciting roles like this that actually push the limits of him as an actor and challenge him because in this movie it seems like he's up for the challenge his performance is super strong but he then falls into the trap of just producing for himself movies that are really cheesy and kind of yeah, crappy. A lot, and a lot
0: of, uh, a lot of like Netflix straight to Netflix movies lately. It's, right?
1: it's what this and the departed are really his only good roles.
0: Uh, and, and a, a movie that I think parallels this one, the other guys, which is like kind of, if you okay. threw this, this character into a uh, police <laughs> movie,
1: <laughs> I've never seen the other guys all the way. Through. Oh really? The other so, guys yeah. is great. So, um, I'll take your word on on that one, but yeah, he's the center of of everything that's going on here. And I don't. What do you think about about Wahlberg in this role and everything that's come of his career after?
0: Yeah, the casting is like genius. Um, obviously, he he'd actually you know he I guess had been in the Basketball Diaries mm-hmm. with Leonardo DiCaprio. So originally, PTA wanted Leo for this movie, which I mm. don't think would work necessarily it would be very different movie, mm-hmm. obviously and it's a different leo than we're like used to now obviously but, yeah um, i think he basically recommended mark walberg because they were in basketball diaries together mm-hmm. um and until you know he'd done some movies by then obviously but for the most part he was marky mark right and a, <laughs> a calvin klein model i think or it wasn't he an underwear model yeah. at one point yeah so like they're clearly like riffing off of that dumb guy persona that he has yeah. and still has right like we're talking about these terrible movies he makes Yeah, and he's got and again like the other guys he's playing the same guy like it's it kind of cracked me up how similar the character basically is <laughs> but he's really good in this movie he's obviously acting but he's also like he's playing like a super naive arrested development teenager <laughs> One of my, I I had, I have a column, I'm going to read through it eventually. I just wrote what I love, like why I love this movie, (laughs) things I love in this movie. Uh, The opening tracking shot was obviously the first thing I wrote down. But then the next one was, they show his bedroom. At one point, they do like Mm -hmm. a pan around his bedroom. I think it's the very next scene. Yeah, he's got like, it looks like a 14 year olds bedroom. Yeah. (laughs) He has he's all his posters on the wall, seventeen years old in it. Yeah, he's got the Corvette poster up there. Yeah, he's got all like the swimsuit models. He's got a Serpico. Uh, a Serpico poster. Yeah, like he's a kid, and that is, you know, he plays it well. Like I'm, he's acting. Obviously, he's not. That's not who he is. But. Mm-hmm. It also like kind of is who he is. Like he's Yeah, do you think he's
1: playing a version of himself in a way? A
0: little bit. I mean I I, wonder if he every actor, you know, you transform, right, but you don't totally transform. You take pieces of you you can only transform so much. So there's like pieces of him in it, obviously.
1: I wonder if there's like a bit of a bit of meta stuff happening where Mark Wahlberg doesn't realize that he is playing a version of himself and then went on to think that he had this great gift that maybe he doesn't share with Dirk Diggler and thought that he could actually become, I mean, he has become a major star,
0: but yeah. and he's, a good he's act, certainly like, not. He's a good actor. Like there, even the, at the end of the movie, he's like reading uh, lines and he's like pretty good. Yeah. Like yeah. he feels like a real actor. Like in the beginning, he's playing a bad actor, obviously.
1: Yeah, <laughs> which is hard acting. Yeah. But I don't know. The whole thing is interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if I know you mentioned that Burt Reynolds didn't love working on this movie. I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Wahlberg has recently or in more recent years said that he didn't love working on this movie or like he doesn't love that this is part of his. Yeah, I think tomography. he likes
0: Paul Thomas Anderson and like likes the like respects like he knows it's a good movie, whereas I think mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds didn't necessarily feel that way. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's like become very Christian and I'm sure it does not jive with his <laughs> beliefs.
1: <necessarily.
0: Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's talk about your, your real favorite character. Just give me, I'm sure there, there are things on that list that you can pull from for why he's your favorite. So just start, start ripping him away.
0: Um, the, like the introduction scene for him is like literally the funniest thing I've probably ever seen in my entire life. He oh, I, I probably
1: would have seen you there because I'm there every day.
0: Yeah, he's like, "How much do you bench? How much do you squat?"
1: All right, we'll say it at the same time. Yeah, it's like it's like two eight-year-olds Star- meeting. Yeah, at the exactly.
0: Park. That's what it is. Have you seen Star Wars? People tell me I look like Han Solo.
1: Yeah,
0: and the fact he pronounces it Han Solo, I feel like it's a very '70s thing. Like my dad yeah. definitely calls him Han. Um, like people, I don't know why. But yeah, His so that whole, really the whole scene, it's, it goes from that. And then they're like doing tricks in the pool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> did you yeah, do cannonballs and jackknives? Um, no, man, you
1: have to do it like this.
0: <laughs> he does the flip and he like yeah. backflops on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, it's like two eight-year-olds meeting up there. It's, so I think one, he's hysterical. Uh, to a great guy you know Dirk comes mm-hmm. in and basically takes all of his parts and he's like sweet I'm just gonna be this guy's like mm-hmm. wingman great magician that helps
1: really good um, magician really
0: good magician great quality a poet great poet um,
1: <laughs> and lyricist
0: yeah but I I what I love about that scene is I the first like 20 30 minutes like the that you meet Mark Wahlberg they do a, a good job of like well, one, this guy's just like a moron. Like, he's just not probably not a very mm-hmm. bright guy. Um, but two, he's like a kid. And yeah. like all the stuff, like I said, the the bedroom posters, the way that he and John C. Riley are at this party where everyone's doing cocaine and drinking and all that kind of stuff. And they're just like mm-hmm. jumping in the pool and hanging out by each other. Like, there's all these porn stars around and they're just hanging out with each other. Like <laughs> two, like 13 year olds.
1: Yeah. Um, hey, man, you drink margaritas? Yeah. <laughs> one, to <laughs> whatever vinyl. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just I, I think they do a I, mean, I don't know how old he's supposed to be, I think they mm-hmm. say Mark Wahlberg seventeen at the start of the movie, yeah, they really like these these are children who have been roped into the well, this porn industry,
1: that's Which really like interesting kind of
0: underspoken, like there's we we're gonna talk about when it gets dark, but yeah, the movie is dark the whole way through like. Like Burt Reynolds is a predator. He's, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. Well, that, that's that's what I was going to mention. Year olds off the street and get them into porn.
1: Yeah, that's horrifying. And that part, although
0: Mark Wahlberg clearly is trying to get into the bit. I will like we don't know about Roller Girls background, but Mark Wahlberg is clearly is, trying to get into the business.
1: Like yeah, that's why he's I mean at the club. Obviously, we only know that she, at the point that we meet her, that she feels like she needs to be there, but we don't know. Like you said, we don't know what yeah, happened she's already before. in the
0: world. She's like a year ahead of him or something like that.
1: But yeah, man, I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson, he's not shy about, you know, this being a very predatory business in terms of like, even the people who you meet at the party, that girl who ends up ODing is like when she walks in and, or no, not even, not even when she walks in, when the shot of, of her in the, uh, is it the colonel of her and the colonel Getting out of the car, oh, and you yeah. see this old man, and then you see her, and you're like, "That's like a 15 year old girl, yeah, showing up to this party, and and then doing a bunch of drugs." And oh, you
0: think so, Doctor?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this, this is twice in two days that a chick so on me, man. <laughs> like such a dark movie, but but also so funny. But I think, yeah. I mean, Paul, yeah, they they, they do, they do set
0: the they do sow the seeds that uh, the Colonel is into. Some illegal activities, I guess. uh, Oh, yeah. Because all the girls he's with always look like they're like 15 years old.
1: Yeah. And uh, what was I going to say? Oh, well, two things. One, the way that PTA plays comedy is amazing because unless you're looking for it or unless you've seen his movies multiple times, you don't realize how funny they are because on the surface, everything is so serious and so dark but there are a lot of really funny lines and, and scenes and moments uh, in this movie and in a bunch of other movies that I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later. But then the other thing I wanted to bring up is that it, it is kind of interesting. And I, I think he's very deliberate in the way that he shows the way that boys are brought into this world and the way that girls are brought into this world and like how much darker it is for the girls that are being brought in as opposed to the boys who get to do, Cannonballs off of the diving board and stuff. Yeah, and the girls are literally dying, you know, of coke overdoses. It's it's horrible.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah,
1: I didn't think about it until until just now. Yeah, there you
0: go. That's 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 some that's some good braining you're doing there. Um, But yeah, the uh, the that party scene just that's probably the best part of the movie. I think, in my opinion, like it's the most fun. Certainly, Mm -hmm. like there's there's parts that are probably like crazier, better made, or whatever, but. You know, that's another one where you just, again, they're like, they're still just introducing little bits of, you know, that's the first scene with Reed, obviously. It's the first scene with the colonel, right? The colonel gets out of the car. I think that's the first time you see mm-hmm. him. So they're still introducing characters there. Is Scotty, does Scotty show up at that party too? the, the Yeah, that's,
1: that's his first um, scene. Yeah, yeah, so.
0: I mean, just. just with his like belly button time. hanging out. <laughs> yeah, this looks like a great time at that party, except for all the ODing.
1: Yeah, besides young children being brought into the world of pornography and drug overdoses, it looks like a swell time. But
0: I love the way the, every because there's basically four characters who get introduced after other, and five because uh, the John C. Mm-hmm. Riley character, too, I think oh, he might actually no be he's he's dancing he's in the opening scene. You're right. He is dancing. He's dancing with Don there's, Cheadle. I think there's four <laughs> characters who get introduced later on in the movie. The Colonel, uh, Scotty J. Philip Baker Hall, Floyd Gondali, incredible name, yeah. <laughs> um, and and Todd, the the stripper, and every time they show up, the way that he like he introduces them like they're superheroes, basically. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not smart enough to like know the filmmaking technique that he's using, yeah. but like it's like a stuttery camera, like zooms in. Yeah, on them there's and they're kind they're, like, of like crazy. They're coming in the door over... yeah. or coming out of a car. Um, he introduces them all like they're like superheroes, and to like. Mark Wahlberg, they kind of are. I mean, he doesn't like interact necessarily with all those guys, but mm-hmm. um, you know, they're they're the bosses of this weird world that they've
1: cultivated. Let's talk about the other scene where some of these characters get introduced, which I would I would think, in my opinion, probably rivals the first party scene as best scene in the movie. Although it is hard to say best scene, but maybe most most pivotal scene in the movie. Is the 1980s New Year's Eve party. Yeah. Where, which Wait, is sort I'll, of this.
0: I want to say one Go. other thing. Going back to my, my Mark Wahlberg as a child. Um, yeah. Because we, we should say the scene where he gets kicked out of the house um, oh. by his mom, who's like. How, how did we forget? Great great character. Who I don't even think has a name. Um, and it's just like the worst person in the world. Yeah. Um, but she's like yelling at him, and he, he literally says, Don't be mean to me. <laughs> is one of the things he screams back at her. Like he's like a sixteen-year-old kid being thrown out on the street.
1: I almost so, legit did a spit take. <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah, I mean that goes into the, you know we're kind of we mentioned a couple times. a the big theme of this movie is definitely family and like the family you choose, all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's mm-hmm. also definitely a theme of like terrible mothers in this movie. Um, and yeah. She is a terrible mother. Amber is a good mother, sort of to to you know she obviously very clearly like adopts. Dirk and I think literally mm-hmm. maybe adopts uh, Roller Girl uh, <laughs> I don't know if it, that's legally binding legally <laughs> binding but <laughs> to adopt um, someone while railing but she's lines also, of cocaine but she's also a terrible mother to her actual child um, Yeah, and, and honestly a terrible mother to Dirk and Roller Girl she gets yeah. uh, them addicted to cocaine
1: <laughs> yeah it's also like probably not chill to have sex on screen with your adopted son yeah there's
0: son. some Oedipus stuff in there too
1: very weird the first okay. Before porn we, scene, g- we
0: should also say is is spectacular. Just it, uh, like the whole setup to that scene where what he's just got back from the war and he's like yeah. trying to get into, <laughs> and he's trying to get into acting for some reason. Yeah, it, and, it's wild. And every scene where he takes off his pants because they obviously showed at the end, which we'll talk about, obviously, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I remember the first time seeing the movie. You are like, are they going to show it? Because they show everyone's reaction to it, and that like, yeah, it tells the whole story. You mentioned <laughs> mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman's reaction. Everyone at that shoot, <laughs> uh, the colonel's is unreal. Where he's <laughs> Jack tells what me what does the he do? Cock. And uh, I see it. <laughs> in the my the favorite party. reaction
1: in the first porn scene was the cameraman who has his eye up to the uh, oh yeah to like the lens, and he like literally moves his head away so that he can see it not through the camera but in real life yeah they'll do a get, really
0: cool shot in that scene not to just be like shots but they do a cool shot yeah. in that scene where they go into the camera somehow and like yeah do the reverse i, I don't know again i'm not a film school kid so uh, i don't know all the technicalities but that's cool and actually the shot at the the party too where one of them jump jumping into the pool and the camera follows him underwater Oh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff in in the first like there are also a lot of really
1: cool shots of similar to that porn scene, but just like of cameras capturing cool moments and of like really close close ups of like bulbs going off and stuff when a picture is being taken, which is very much so very much so feels out of the Goodfellas Mm -hmm. Scorsese like textbook. But the way that it's done here is um, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, they do a lot um, of the
0: Scorsese Coke shot, right? Where the person does Coke, and then I guess yeah, then Tarantino does that also, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Scorsese first. He invented yeah. cocaine. Little yeah. known fact. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Amber in the in the party scene, that first outdoor pool party, yes. when someone picks up the phone, and the kid is asking for Maggie, and Luis Guzman is like, is there Maggie here? Oh, you know, their son is calling. And you kind of know, even though you don't yeah. know that, it, that it's her. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it's like, it cuts to her just like by herself doing cocaine, not even in the party yeah. doing it as a social activity. She's just very sadly addicted to this drug. And, and then she's, she's watching Mark Wahlberg
0: through the window, I think is. The yeah. Next, like it, it, the camera moves and, and shows like she, this is her new son, basically. Yeah.
1: Uh, cinema. Wow. Yeah. Themes, symbolism, themes. all that good stuff. But like I said, I, I think
0: that it's a pretty basic theme. I think it's clearly the theme running through this thing. Um, mm-hmm. and It's
1: also the theme of like all of PTA's movies. Yeah, I mean- um, he's a very gifted filmmaker, but he is pretty simple. And I think once you sort of key into what he's interested in, and if you are also interested in that, it's really easy to like his movies. I once saw his movies described as... Uh, They're all about two weirdos who are playing, trying to play mind tricks with each other, and like trying to one up the other person. Which is, I mean, that's Jack and and Dirk, right? Or you could really apply it with like a lot of different characters in every relationship
0: in the movie, pretty much. Yeah,
1: yeah. I do love that the dude who replaces Dirk. I'm getting ahead of myself. I love that his name is Johnny Doe.
0: Johnny Doe.
1: (laughs) D o e. And then the guy, the
0: guy who plays. Amber's what husband. There's like one there where the, they have the divorce mediation thing mm-hmm. is a, I think a bassist from the band X who goes by the name John Doe. <laughs> so there you go. There's a, I'm sure it's a little joke in the movie. Yeah, They have this guy a named PTA Doe joke. And, yeah, exactly. But yeah, let's uh, let, let's jump to the, the second party, the New Year's party,
1: the New Year's party, which is missing. The all of the, yeah, it's missing all the happy go lucky sort of vibes of the first one. You know. It's it's not outdoors. It's not a pool party. Everyone is indoors. William H. Macy is still watching his wife have sex with other men. And he gets fed up. And I think that's the moment where the movie really takes yeah, a turn. Because that's turns. also... That's the first moment that you see violence. That you see actual violence. I think is that also... Does, is that the
0: first time Dirk does coke? Is it that party?
1: That is the first time that yeah. Dirk does coke. And I, I mean, yeah. PTA thinks that, well, I don't know if he necessarily thinks this, but the eighties represent a fundamental change in this movie, in these characters lives, in the world of pornography and like pornography distribution. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like this movie yeah. is in I, a there, weird I, way. There would
0: be other layers. Like we're too young to have lived through the seventies and eighties, but I think there are yeah. other layers to this movie that if you're 20 years older than us, like Mm -hmm. is there's more to it because like we, we see the caricatures of the seventies and eighties, but yes, it's very obvious that this movie is great. Everyone's having a great time in the seventies, the eighties come and it's terrible.
1: It's awful. Dirk gets addicted to Coke. He gets into fights with Jack. He can no longer get hard ons, which is really the whole reason for his existence. At this point, William H. Macy kills himself as the clock strikes midnight. Don Cheadle has to stop wearing cowboy shirts and switches over to some weird Rick James-like outfit yeah. <laughs> that he's miserable in.
0: Well, that's where he meets uh, Jesse St. Vincent, I think, right? Is that, that scene? They get married. Yeah. So that's where, actually the one happy, the one like full, I mean not fully happy because he gets denied the bank loan a bit later, Yeah, but he's the one who has kind of like the happier character arc I would say. Yeah, and John
1: C. Riley, He never really, I guess the Alfred Molina scene, he sort of Gets like his one dark turn, but he's otherwise. Yeah. I mean, he's addicted he's chilling. to the
0: coke, also, but
1: yeah, yeah, not as bad. We're not centered great, on him. Great montage, very Goodfellas montage of Todd coming in the door with more coke, with and more each coke, time yeah. they're like, at first they're like, "Oh, perfect timing," and then the next time around they're like, "Where the hell have you been? Yeah. It's taking you so long!" <laughs> Just like very much so out of the Goodfellas textbook. But yeah, do you have anything more on? the eighties and that new year's Eve party and sort of where everything, I think that's also the first time that we meet Todd. And it's also the first time that we meet, uh, Philip Baker hall, who is an absolute legend. RIP. I wish more people besides PTA realized that he's a phenomenal character actor and should be in like, should have been in many, many more movies. Probably the
0: best one-off Seinfeld character. A hundred percent. The library. Um, But yeah, I'd forgotten he's in this movie. It's like it's kind of funny. Like his part of this movie is obviously like the changing of time. Like he represents change. It obviously is very specific to the porn industry in this. But you know, what, when did this movie come out? Ninety-seven. We're here. Like, yeah. Twenty years later, tw- more than twenty-five years later, and like same things happening in the movie business, right? With streaming and like change comes for us all. I think is like that's a kind of universal. Theme that comes from him. But yeah, he's unreal. His name is Floyd Gondoli, which is just an incredible name. Um, <laughs> he comes in with a bunch of like runaway children and is like, these are the future of the industry. Yeah. Um
1: like if the whole like child trafficking stuff wasn't yeah. obvious before when he walks in with those four kids and he's like, They're the future. <laughs> these like, are okay, the real people. He's like, I like yeah. butter in
0: my ass and lollipops in my mouth. Um and, <laughs> I don't remember that line <laughs> I think that's in his first scene with with uh, Jack Horner. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's it's the move. It's the, it is the moment where the movie flips, and the scene with um, William H Macy character. Like, honestly, he's kind of like the one guy who I feel like is not super developed. This guy's like kind of a one note mm-hmm. character. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah. it's yeah. hard to
1: get past that one note though.
0: The whole thing flips on him. There's a great. I think it's in the first party scene where. Uh, his wife is, is uh, having sex in the driveway with the crowd of people mm-hmm. standing around him, her, and yeah. he's there talking with the cameraman, I think. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're like standing on either side of her. Like, framed. Yeah. she's framed by those two in the background. While they're yeah. Like c- trying to have a conversation about uh, tomorrow's shoot.
1: Like the camera that they need for the next day. Yeah, <laughs> like <exactly>. the lens <laughs> that they're going to use. Yeah. <laughs> and um, William yeah. Macy is clearly. His mind is elsewhere, Distress. and the other yeah. guys. The <laughs> other guys like, if you got to go, you got to go, man. We can talk about it later. <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah, that's that's obviously where it flips, and then the title card is just '80s, and yeah, like we said, that's clearly like PTA being like this decade was bad, and commercialism took over, and all this stuff. That- yeah,
1: it is also weird that like with the Philip Baker Hall character and the theme of change comes for all of us while I was watching this you've seen Babylon right I think we've talked about yeah, it there's a, so
0: we're gonna burn I, I had that written down as one of my potential recommendations because okay kind of didn't realize how inspired Babylon is by this movie
1: this movie I don't know if you can say that this movie is actually pulling from singing in the rain but Babylon and this movie are very much Babylon was like what if we took all of the debauchery from boogie nights and, and put it in singing in, in, yeah. in the rain and you know the guy who directed la la land will will make it but it is really weird that this movie uh that pta again the balls on this kid at 25 26 27 however old he was the balls to say i'm going to make a movie not about you know changing times in the film industry yeah but changing times in the porn industry <laughs> Because apparently he's a big wants to porn
0: see. aficionado, PTA, or was in his childhood. <laughs> I, Him and Quentin Tarantino could- too. There was a, uh, a Ringer podcast at one point about Quentin Tarantino, and he has a line in that where he's like, "I just want to say for the record, I've watched way more porn than Paul Thomas Anderson." <laughs> so uh, they're both depraved, right? Like they're depraved people. Like that's why we like yeah. their movies. They're violent and uh, they're horny, and uh, they make weird
1: movies like this. That is such a weird thing to argue about like <laughs> who who is logged more hours there's of the, watching There's porn. a lot
0: of there's a lot of porn stars in this movie that he's cast as Like real life like, ones parts. Yeah I think oh. the, Little Bill's wife is a porn star in real life I think like some of the background characters are like not not just all, like people hanging out like at the parties and stuff cast. Or yeah just yeah. like people have like one scene So he's like he he likes it like he he knows all the history of it Yeah, I think they're all based on real people because in the seventies, like people went to the movie and movies and watched porn in the movie theater, and then (laughs) they stopped doing it when videos came around.
1: Yeah, in the eighties, and the eighties ruined. They made porn not fun for everyone.
0: Yeah, commercialism
1: ruined porn. Is that the thesis of this movie? That's the thesis of this movie. But I mean, More Jack, Jack Horner else. is
0: like trying to be like, you know, you know, in his real life, he'd probably love to be a regular director who's like.
1: Yeah. Also, the, we've gone this far and we haven't talked about how his last name is Horner.
0: Well, Jack Horner is like a a fairy tale or something. Oh, it's really? To, like, yeah. Like little Jack Horner sat in a corner.
1: Um, oh, I, I did not know that. I just thought is, it was.
0: I'm sure it's a play on he's horny, but apparently yeah. the Jack <laughs> Horner story is like supposed to be about opportunism somehow and it makes sense with the character like he's yeah opportun- taking advantage of these of all children, these people said. yeah
1: well it's five if you just want to see it but it's 10 if you want to watch me jack
0: off <laughs> <laughs> as we could just have done like 20 minutes of just like reading our favorite lines to like movie. best
1: lines yeah i didn't even write any down you know just love this movie so much we're just taking them off the top of the head
0: yeah well all right w- I have a couple other things from the the 70s before we move to the 80s that I want to say. Uh, All right, one, let's, did let's bo- do it. Did Boogie Nights invent cribs? When they show, when Dirk is giving the tour of his uh, house, and he's like, "It's my dojo." And they get to the bedroom, and he's got the mirror on the ceiling, and he's got the uh, bl- the curtains with his initials on them. Uh, oh, just feels very what? very cribs the 80s. To me. Is that the 80s? That's early eighties. Like okay. Because right they're definitely
1: after. doing they're like definitely ripping a lot of cocaine at that time. Okay. I yeah, think. that's
0: great. Obviously, Brock Landers and Chess Rockwell, the like the movie <laughs> within the movie is spectacular. I think Brock Brock Landers definitely the guy kind of guy who played quarterback at Georgia in like the nineteen nineties. Great <laughs> quarterback name.
1: <laughs> or like Nebraska.
0: Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's all I got, I think, on the other things on the 70s. We can, we can move to the 80s, because that's in some ways, well, it's it's a less fun part of the movie, but it's sort of the more interesting part.
1: Before we get to the 80s, and this could also be part of the 80s, but uh, we talked about this a little bit before, but this movie is so music forward, and there are so many great needle drops, and I feel like PTA, he's definitely having fun in both the 80s and the 70s, but the 80s ones, I feel like he's picking like hits. That I would assume that he maybe doesn't like as much as the songs yeah. that he's picking in the '70s. Do you have a favorite needle drop from? I wish I had written either, either decade.
0: I mean the the opening scene. What's the song in the opening scene? It's um oh I forgot the disco song. I'm blanking on that. uh, I yeah. mean Jesse's girl, obviously in the uh, in the uh,
1: it, absolutely insane
0: in the shootout is great. I feel like I wrote some down in here. Let me let me see if I can find any. Um, is there
1: a is there an Earth Wind and Fire song that is needle dropped when they're when they're shopping for shirts and there's that hilarious scene of of Dirk <laughs> and uh and Reed wearing their matching shirts and then, oh, then Italian imported
0: nylon
1: <laughs> and then Scotty comes in and he's like trying to tuck it into his pants and it just doesn't fit. Yeah. Like poor uh, Scotty, man.
0: Is there Earth, when Fire? But there, there's a lot of like, Disco, obviously. Um, yeah. There's Best of My Love is the opening song. The Spill the Wine, I think, at the party is good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. There's another song at, par- at the party that...
1: Yeah, there are, like, two or three songs yeah. at the party.
0: Fooled Around and Fell in Love, I think, is, like, at the night at the party when they're sitting in the hot tub.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and and uh, Reed is reading his, his lovely poetry. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, there's a lot of great stuff. I mean, I mean, the best probably the best needle drop is the very end. It might even technically just be during the credits, but the movie ends and then goes to uh, "Living thing by electric light orchestra. And I'm not familiar
1: with that song, even though I just you, watched I mean, the you would movie.
0: know It's the, it's the end yeah. credits, but apparently yeah. PTA asked uh, Jeff Lynn from like, if he could use the song and, and he showed in mm-hmm. the movie and like that scene came on and he like stood up and like pumped his fist. He That's loved amazing. It so much, so. I've
1: heard that. Uh, that their music is like notoriously hard to get for movies. So that must be a huge get for PTA again, oh, really? as a 26 year old.
0: Oh, the, I mean, the other song at the party that I was thinking of uh, mama told me not to come, which is the first song at the party.
1: The $3 and $3 that's $3 like song. when it's like tracking through everyone and like, yeah, goes, it's like when he's talking when they to read for the first yeah. time. Yeah.
0: Um, also, but dude, the, the way that the, way the, is great.
1: the way that the movie, and this is like a really simple thing but it's done so effectively here but the way that the movie blends the sound between the dialogue and then the soundtrack and like the levels of what you're hearing and when you're hearing it and how it'll sort of like it'll zone in on a piece of dialogue and you'll hear that for a little bit, but the song is still playing in the background. And then you, the camera will move away from those characters. And then the song will pick back up yeah. until you get to I the next group of characters who are talking. I don't
0: it's know. Like, if it's like, it's so
1: simple, but it's amazing.
0: I don't know if the music is all supposed to be. Obviously, there's some scenes where it's not, but I feel like a lot of, mm-hmm. I don't. a lot of the scenes that the songs must be playing for these people, I think. Right? Yeah. Like, like definitely the opening scene, because they're like dancing in a club, like, but like, at the party, yeah. you get the sense that that's all music that could be playing at the party. And like what you're saying, it feels like being at a party where like if you're just walking into the bar to get a drink or whatever, like mm-hmm. you're just focusing on the music and then yeah. you wind up talking to someone and you're focused on their conversation. The music feels like it drops out around you in, in real life. Um, yeah. Yeah. The way it's mixed is really good. What's your do you have a favorite needle drop? I, I stole a couple.
1: No, I think whatever. Maybe it's not Earth, Wind and Fire is Boogie Shoes. Yeah, Boogie drop. Shoes
0: is in it. Yeah. That's, the, that's, sure the, that's the Shirt.
1: That's the shirt. That's the shirt scene. Oh, I think yeah, that I think would you're be right. my favorite. Yeah, I think you're right. yeah, Mostly because of oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman you know trying what, to put what? the shirt on.
0: I'm just looking at the soundtrack right now, which is reminding me. Yeah. You, you know what the song that plays when he uh who walked into the party is You Sexy Thing, which is oh, that's, yeah.
1: it's just
0: great. <laughs> it's a great yeah. call. It's PTA is He
1: has Philip this really weird ability to Use like super on the nose needle drops that don't feel cheesy, it's really weird. Like I
0: said, this is a lot of his movies are score now because he works a lot with Johnny Greenwood, yeah, um,
1: who's amazing.
0: And you know, even like Licorice Pizza, which is the same era, does not use I don't necessarily think as obvious needle drops, but these, this is what these Mm -hmm. people, these are like not super cultured people, like this is what they'd be listening to.
1: All right, let's get to the 80s, let's get to. The dark parts of well, this movie the,
0: we we touched on it at the beginning but it ties into what we're talking about with the the soundtrack with
1: them with the soundtrack yeah. yeah so do you want to just skip forward to that or well, is there anything the in the 80s
0: scene of the 80s right um, yeah i have a couple of things right now just like it's when the real world collides with their fantasy finally for the first time you have don cheadle going to get the band clone and he can't get it because he's in the porn industry I thought it was very interesting. There's a couple times where they put like a date card at the bottom. um, Yeah, like to jump around through time. Uh, I thought it was very. It was like Tuesday morning, September. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. Yeah, the Julia, it's her when she's going in for the divorce like mediation.
1: Um, Mm -hmm. it
0: just says Tuesday morning, or yeah, Tuesday morning, September 1930. It's like the most mundane thing. Like, yeah, living this glamorous porn star life, but you still got to like. It's kind of you still got an appointment to be at court on Tuesday morning.
1: It's kind of uh. I'm sure you've seen The Shining, but I don't know if you've ever noticed in The Shining the title cards for the time lapse is kind of similar in that it's like really all over the place. Um, And that's like totally what PTA is doing here. Mm -hmm. It starts with just a title card blank 80s 80s. and then you'll maybe get, you know, like three months, three months later or, or yeah, like 1982 and then you'll get a specific date and then you'll get Tuesday morning, September. I mean, for a moment like that, you're not you might not remember the exact date. But you will always, when you're telling that story in your head, it remember, was it was morning. a Tuesday morning in September it was of eighty. hell,
0: yeah. The traffic sucked. Uh, yeah. And I'm a porn star, but I still have to deal with all that crap. Uh, so, yeah, those, that was really the one other thing I had. I mean, the fight happens early in the 80s between him and and Jack, as we mentioned. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is unreal in that scene. Just Another great moment in that scene
1: is when Jack and Dirk start going at it, like start pushing each other. Reed... Comes up to Jack's side and does his like karate pose, <laughs> like he's ready to <laughs> Their
0: fight. Their love of karate, which I think is like a 70s thing because of Bruce Lee, right? Like, because, yeah, like got into karate, but yeah, the fact that everyone's like doing karate and he calls his room his dojo, it's a great like running thing through the
1: movie. The, the movie within the movie that that Amber makes for Dirk and she's listing <laughs> his other,
0: the 80s, and they look terrible in that, like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John C. Riley's eyes are like black. Like it looks like he has yeah. two black eyes when he's going to get interviewed for that movie.
1: But when she's listing his other interest, it's like he's also interested in poetry, karate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, the documentary is great. Apparently, so I, I guess I, I watched right before we started recording. Do you know this, this movie is based on a short that PTA made like in college called The Dirk Diggler Store? It's like a 30 minute
1: i've heard about, about, it, about but it but i haven't I watched watched it. like 10 yeah. minutes
0: of it before we started um, which is based is john on, c Riley in it no no the only okay. guy who's in it is the colonel plays uh jack horner and also okay. paul thomas anderson's dad narrates it which is like hysterical because that's hilarious like it's he's saying all these important movies yeah and his dad is like the voice of abc or something like he's a yeah he's like a famous voice actor like from the mm-hmm. 60s i guess um, but it's also, so that is based on a do a real documentary about a porn star named John Holmes, who was like, was like a big porn star in the seventies or something. And so yeah. they're parroting that. Like there's this. Apparently... Q-Tip
1: references him in a song that he has with the Beastie Boys. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the yeah, only reason so, I know John Holmes. So
0: it's parroting, I think that documentary, which I've never seen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's available anywhere. I tried to look yeah. it earlier. Looks like you can maybe find snippets of it that I think were maybe on the Boogie Nights DVD. That's like part of the commentary. Yeah, um, but I'm sure it's parroting that as well.
1: That that whole documentary is is hilarious. And then I guess at that point in the '80s, things are still sort of
0: yeah, you can tell fun and on funny apart. and like
1: and a little bit lighter. But yeah, things are definitely starting to unravel around there. That's when you know, I mean. The the coke is literally affecting Dirk's performance. You know, he's unable yeah. to to perform his duties as a as a porn star because he's not yeah, able. to... That's what
0: to, triggers the fight. Is he takes forever to get up,
1: and he can't get up on command like he used to. You know, in that first in his first scene, he's they like, go through yeah. it. It's beautiful, and they're like, "Oh man, we didn't get the close up." And Dirk says, "I can do it again." And it's like, yeah, this he's beautiful, jerking magical off two three, three times
0: a day for ten dollars at the uh, hot, yeah, hot tracks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Quite a talent. And and now he's he's washed up, he's old, his his big old dingling doesn't work anymore, and Jack wants to replace him with Johnny Doe. <laughs> so he decides to go record some uh record some music tracks <laughs> with Reed that are a hundred percent pulling from Mark Wahlberg's Marky Mark days. And yes. if Mark Wahlberg is not well, aware of that, then he is the biggest fool in the world. And
0: they're I mean they're they're doing Step Brothers before Stepbrothers, right? Like it's, yeah. it's uh it's boats and hoes. Yeah. <laughs> Give the most it's beautiful prestige voice worldwide. I've ever heard. Yeah, it's prestige yeah. worldwide. And the song, so I didn't know that and I was a Transformers fan as a as a child, but apparently mm-hmm. so I didn't realize the song, the touch, the one that he is recording,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, is from the Transformers movie. Like that's what it was made for, like the cartoon Transformers movie. Which one not kind the of Michael funny Bay version more, that Mark Wahlberg was in, right? It was yeah. in those Transformers movies. But yeah. it's another one like this is a 16 year old. I mean, he's older right now, but he's still just like he's a toddler. A child who is, yeah. happens to have the largest penis in the world. <laughs>
1: but he's a toddler who really likes Transformers, but also he has a, <laughs> a huge old ding dong. Yeah. So yeah, so then we get that scene in the eighties. I'm trying to think of still what else funny. we get. It's still yeah, still still funny. And we must be creeping up on when things yeah, it's, really it's like my start to go note, side, sideways. So let's talk about the scene, because this is like the really pivotal moment of the movie. This is when things turn sideways. This is when PTA flips. He's already sort of flipped things on yeah, its, going down on its head in the 80s, but he is fully showing you the darkness of what can happen when you get pulled into this industry in... I don't even know what you would call this scene. Is there a title card for it? Oh, yeah, there is. It's, so. December, it's... Is it oh, December. Is it December
0: 11th? Does it give you a date?
1: I think it's December 11th, 83 when this goes down and okay, I'm going to let you talk about it because it's, it's amazing. I want you yeah, to, it's there's there two scenes
0: it. basically intercut. Actually, are there three? Cause is the Don Cheadle at the donut shop? Is that also intercut with this or that, is it like Or right after
1: that's right after.
0: I think maybe it starts coming because he like drives past Dirk. I think. Yeah.
1: Point. Um, mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, they're, they're basically two dueling scenes. They're intercut with each other. The one is Dirk is hanging out in a church parking lot going back to his old work. Um, you know, just trying to make a buck by offering to take his cock out or jerk off in front of guys. For I think he's up to rates. I think it's 10 and 20 now instead of 5 and 10. Inflation.
1: Reagan's yeah, America. Inflation.
0: yeah. And then the other one, Jack is pivoted to video. He's miserable, but and he's trying this experiment which is basically like, uh, I mean, it's the... Say it. It's, you know, it's the bang bus, basically. Like, it's, they're picking guys up on the street to, to have sex with Roller Girl. And as I mentioned at the top of this show, when we were talking about the soundtrack is, you know, there. Are, I'm sure there are other scenes with no soundtrack, but it's the one time the score is really noticeable over scout soundtrack. There's no, you know, it's, it's the darkest point of the movie. You can't put, like, she's got the touch over it. It would like be weird thumping, to find an eighties pop like, song, yeah, it's like this thumping bass and it's like terrifying. it's it's the you know we we talked about how this movie parallels to Goodfellows, which has a similar like bright eyed young guy rising through the ranks of this CD industry. Mm-hmm. And it crashes eventually, but I think the in Goodfellas the crash is really fun. Like I love watching the yeah. flush the coke down or Karen flush the coke down the toilet and the helicopter. Like I could column. watch that crash yeah.
1: over and over again. Like, it's I could it's watch just the most that watchable just that the movie. scene. Yeah. And this
0: is like you watch it once, and if you're gonna like rewatch it over and over again, it's like the one where you're like, uh, it's kind of hard to watch. It's uh, I have Dirk in my notes.
1: It's unwatchable.
0: Dirk eventually it- gets the shit beaten out of him. Roller Girls. Sma- it's a guy who. I think it's a guy from the first her scene in high school. Actually, where mm-hmm. uh, he's making the blowjob faces at her, mm-hmm. um, and she smashes his face in with his, her roller skates. And yeah, it's terrible. They they hit rock bottom, kind of, for both of them. Although Dirk, I guess, it goes even lower um, in the next scene. And then at the same time, the Don Cheadle scene. Uh, he's in a donut shop, and basically, Pulp Fiction breaks out around him, and <laughs> uh, he ends up with a bag of cash. But also, like, covered in blood. Yeah. there's a shit out with a, a robbery gone wrong.
1: It's brilliant that that happens right after what we just watched. Because P- PTA, the, the whole time, you know, with the exception of William H. Macy, who was always kind of an expendable character.
0: Yeah, as a, not very developed, I don't think. But yeah,
1: so when note. when that happens at the at the start of the 80s, you're definitely shocked. But you still don't believe that any of these people are... Really, in any danger, in any sort of trouble whatsoever, you see that things are going downhill for them. They have but- each
0: other, right? It's a weird industry, but it's, it, there is much more of like a familial vibe to it than goodfellas, right? Where there is hundred percent, there's like their like, one little group, but mm-hmm. you know, he hates his wife and hates all the other mobsters, right? Um, this yeah, one, they all they all seem to like each other. Everyone likes yes. each
1: other. So you you think that they are going to make it out of this? pretty much with no real danger ever entering their, their orbit, despite, you know, all of the ridiculous, absurd stuff that's happening around them. And then in this scene, you realize how vulnerable roller girl and Dirk are to all of the evils that surround yeah. them in terms of being in this industry and what it can turn you into. And it's not just happy, go lucky. Me and my friends show up to set and, You know, we'd have sex with each other and our other friend films it and then we all distribute it and make some money, which is also like a weird activity for friends. I can't imagine (laughs) being in a pseudo family style environment where we're just like boning and then releasing that to the world. But yeah, I guess, you know, that's not the lifestyle that we've chosen for ourselves. (laughs) And that, that score, man, that thump, that, Little like droning bass thing or what, whatever it is that's happening. I don't know who made it, but it does sort of feel like early Johnny Greenwood.
0: I didn't and, realize the score is um, done by the music in the movie, so I assume this is, is by Michael Penn, which is uh, a Penn brother, Sean Penn's brother.
1: That's Nice Guy Eddie from Reservoir Dogs.
0: I don't think it's Nice Guy Eddie. I think it's the, the third brother.
1: Oh, it's the other Penn brother? Yeah, I think Okay, that yeah, would be hilarious.
0: Yes, no, it's. And this guy's Wait, which, apparently in the movie also is Nick the engineer.
1: Which brother is nice guy, Eddie? Chris
0: Penn. Chris Penn.
1: Okay. <laughs> so, so there is it's a confirmed third a third yeah. third Penn brother who absolutely terrorizes us with this score. That seems to never stop. That scene goes on for what really feels long. like forever. Maybe it's it's cutting
0: back and forth, and the way that the uh, roller girl scene is shot, where it's like you're seeing the recording, it's it feels like a horror Mm -hmm. movie. It's like a hundred percent. It
1: feels like it feels like an '80s slasher film. Yeah, that's playing out in front of your eyes. It's absolutely terrifying, and that's the moment where they hit rock bottom. In any normal movie, the next scene would then be the start of the third act, where our protagonist, you know, realizes all of the strength that they have inside of them. And they are able to overcome all of the horrible things that have happened to them. But instead of being a normal movie, PTA decides to add that title card that we were talking about.
0: Yeah.
1: That says like, and one more thing yeah. before we go. <laughs> and they have that crazy Alfred Molina scene that is absolutely bonkers, but absolutely amazing. Jesse's girl is playing during a shootout with Todd and, alfred molina's random friend who ends up getting sh- shot and then alfred molina takes out a shotgun uh on uh on reed and dirk but yeah talk to me about that scene
0: that is when, when we talk about the Babylon parallel that's the like toby mcguire scene right like that it feels very ripped off of that
1: holy shit i did not catch that that's amazing yeah that's a hundred that's a hundred percent it
0: a guy pops up for one scene, like uh, inspired by. It, it feels like. I mean, there's probably other examples like that in movie history, but that, it reminded me. Once I, mm-hmm. I, I saw someone compare it to Babylon, I, uh, so I had that thought in my mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely reminded me of that. Yeah, I mean, it, that's and then the it, the scene basically ends with just a close up on Mark Wahlberg's face, and he's doing like a thousand yard stare, and that's when it clicks for him that like, all right, this has gotten pretty bad. <laughs> Should probably yeah. go back to uh, go back to Burt Reynolds
1: we should turn things around. And then from there we get the final scene, right? Pretty much. I think. Yeah. Of everyone sort of, we know that Don, it opens with Don Cheadle opening up his store.
0: Oh yeah. And And... I
1: think I realized that I haven't, I either haven't seen this in forever or maybe like never got all the way to the end, but I was, when I was rewatching, I was under the impression that Don Cheadle was the only one who made it out happy in the end.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of forgotten that it ends on a, a pretty happy note where they they've got their family back together basically. Yeah, um, the
1: baby's playing in the pool with Uncle Reed or whoever, and, and Jack is back to being the, the man of the house. And yeah, everything is everyone's good, everyone's happy, and then you get that final final scene where we learn that they are still making pornos.
0: Yeah, and you get to see the giant dick. <laughs>
1: How brilliant is it that he saves the dick for the final shot?
0: That final scene I I mentioned earlier, it's like by far like he's reading lines and he's actually like kind of become a good actor by then. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's no coincidence that everything's terrible. Like when he's away from the family and everything's better when, when they're back together.
1: So I think we've talked about it a little bit and we, this has been a cool episode because we've never really just like gone through a whole movie. I feel like uh, you
0: have to with this movie. Sort of
1: like this. Yeah. It's we definitely jumped around a little bit, but it is a lot easier to talk about this movie. Well, it's uh, very sort of like it's a following. narrative
0: story, right? It's it's it goes it's the same as Goodfellas. Like there's that I don't know what you would call the genre, but like mm-hmm. it takes you into a world through someone's eyes and the rise and the fall. And I think those these are probably the two best versions of it are Goodfellas and Yeah. Um and Boogie Nights, like Scarface is similar, but not, I don't think as good as the other two. Like,
1: No, I wouldn't, but definitely a lot of cocaine.
0: Yeah, a lot of cocaine. Now, there's a similarity with Boogie Nights. It could have been a yeah. cocaine list of movies.
1: Yeah, they're <laughs> big cocaine vibes tonight on the pod. <laughs> 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 so we've talked about it a little bit and you just, you, you punctuated the movie with this. You know, brilliant note about how once the, when the family is all together, everything is, is good again. We've talked about it throughout the episode about how Paul Thomas Anderson is really interested in these families that we find outside of the normal understanding that we typically have of what a family can be. Do you have anything else in terms of how this movie is attacking that in any interesting ways or do you think you've said all of your pieces on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the big Like the the obvious, like Amber is the most obvious family care. Like at at one point, uh, I think the first time, like it's the first time Jack brings Dirk back to his house, and he's like, I think he literally says, "She's a great mother," meaning to like to roller girl and probably read Mm -hmm. at some point and all those the young guys in the in the world, you know. And the fact like the juxtaposition between her and, and Mark Wahlberg's mom in the like the actual the. Dirk's actual mom in the movie, mm-hmm. um, I think, like that's the the clearest, you know, kind of blinking red light of like this is what this movie is about. Um, yeah, but you know, it's it's all like, you know, the, there is like Don Cheadle like, eventually does have a family, but his family is within the family, right? It's another porn star. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just all these weirdos and like they have nowhere to go basically except for for this weird world they've found.
1: It's kind of beautiful. It's really weird that this guy made a beautiful movie about the porn industry and how awful it can be and how it rips kids away from their families. But then within that industry, they get to make new families. So it all works out at the end. Yeah. This movie is, I guess we might talk about it in recommendations. Well, you know what? Let's just jump in. To recommendations, unless you have anything Wait, can I, else, can I
0: list off I, I, my what I love about this movie column that I did for this movie? Because I was absolutely, to, I went in and I was like, "Why do I love this movie so much?" And like, yeah. I couldn't think of like what the big message is, anything like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to skip over the things that we talked about because you of can speed. mention them again. Uh, well, when I said the opening tracking shot, all of Don Cheadle's shirts, great shirts, amazing. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of I think probably white directors like to uh, it's when they do 70s period pieces. Give black guys mm-hmm. cool shirts. Reminds yeah. me of Days and Confused, where um, I can't remember the character's name, but the one black the guy, guy the Afro, gets to wear. Yeah. yeah, he wears great shirts that whole movie too. I like the the first time Dirk and Roller Girl have sex. She puts on. Uh, I have a brand new pair of roller skates as her yeah. soundtrack. Um, Again, PJ
1: being super on the nose, but not yeah. cheesy.
0: The first time you meet John C. Riley at the bar, he's wearing a shirt that just has like a dirt bike on it. <laughs> um, it looks like something he would wear in Step Brothers. Um,
1: a shirt a child would buy from like a Target yeah exactly or something. <laughs> yeah
0: what else do i have i said every scene where someone want, wants to see his dick um i totally forgot Philip baker hall was in this movie oh when the when mark Wahlberg is singing you got the touch uh they cut to the booth and john c riley's dancing very funny <laughs> um uh when todd is uh <laughs> when they're about to go rob the rob albert molina alfred molina's Todd, like they're in the car and he's like, I got a plan. And he pulls out a gun and Mark Wahlberg goes, what the hell is that? And he goes, it's a big gun. I <laughs> uh, love <laughs> <Yeah>. that line. <laughs> and oh, I, we didn't mention like the signature, me and my friends forever have quoted the last line of the movie. where I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. It's, yeah. A I almost star. thought of it, coming onto the podcast and introducing myself
1: like that. You should have. Well, we'll, we'll say goodbye it, that way.
0: And then the names, as I said, great names all across the board.
1: Amazing names. Amazing that he thought of all those names on his own. And also that he thought of this entire movie on his amber own. Amber
0: Waves, really underrated name. Like at first, I don't underrated. think I like realized what it is, but then I realized, oh, it's uh, America the Beautiful.
1: Yeah. Oh. I thought it was just a redhead vagina joke.
0: Well, yeah, it is that, but it's also <laughs> Amber Waves of, uh, of Grain. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't picking up on that. (laughs) (laughs) I just realized that one last night.
1: Uh, Amazing. So a lot to love about this movie. I feel like we probably could go on for two more hours. I guess we could have done
0: 20 minutes of quotes.
1: Yeah. If we knew that we were doing quotes and instead of taking notes, we're just writing down our favorite quotes. I think I would have like three pages worth of notes right now. So good. Absolutely amazing. I think recommendations is going to be very, very, very fun for this one. I think you and I, we definitely have similar sensibilities, so there might be some overlap. I have five that I'm going to pull from, and that five is more like seven to eight. <laughs> so I'm only I'm going to try to keep it to three, but do you want to start? you want to go go into your first one now well, and we'll I'll, just, I'll do uh, the
0: obvious one which is one i mentioned earlier in the movie licorice pizza okay. which is like a twin movie to this i feel like same time yeah. period same setting different world obviously but yeah um, it's
1: you know, it's a similar. much more maybe not even much more accessible because i think a lot of people had a hard time sort so that's of getting why, that's into, why i put on, like, was like can, I,
0: can i put this movie on here it's like seems too obvious but i know like a lot of people i'm very curious because it's still recent when it came out last year or two years ago mm-hmm. i'm curious what the like shelf life of this movie will be because like boogie nights obviously has like mm-hmm. a cultural cachet and and licorice pizza is a different movie but similar vibe in terms of the humor and the vignettes mm-hmm. right there's like the whole movie yeah. is basically vignettes character like kaleidoscopic but it definitely kind of like feels like a twin movie to it
1: i think licorice pizza is gonna maybe not age really well, but I think it's going to have a long shelf life. There's I some already weird
0: underage sex in it.
1: Just like boogie nights, but yeah. people seem to not have an issue exactly, with that in, in boogie nights, yeah, yeah. but like in like, licorice pizza. That's an issue. Yeah. And there's no like actual, like, like there's more like trafficking <laughs> <like, laughs> in, in boogie nights. Like yeah, there's boogie like literal, is way
0: like, more problematic people than uh, like 21 yeah. year old making yeah. out with a 16 year old or whatever he is in that movie. The
1: Colonel literally gets arrested for, yeah. Child pornography. You know, like, like let's say it. Let's say the quiet part out loud. It's a much more problematic movie than than Licorice Pizza. But I think that movie's gonna, I think that movie's gonna stick around. I think it's super rewatchable. Yeah, I've already seen it like three times. I can't wait to buy it on Blu Ray and just like have it on in the background while I'm working or or doing other stuff. It'll be a great movie on TV because you can literally tune in at any moment and watch one of those vignettes. You can watch a scene and then turn it off. And that one scene will be fantastic yeah. Or you can stick around and watch the whole movie. I love that pick. So that was on my list, but I, I picked a bunch of other ones because uh-huh. I assumed that it would, yeah, yeah, yeah. that it would be on yours.
0: I feel like it's where All we right. had to start.
1: It's it, thank you for doing that. I appreciate <laughs> it. I'm going to go. I'm also going to go with a, what I feel like is a pretty obvious recommendation. Another movie that is, and PTA is just a director. That when you watch his whole body of work, you realize how many similarities there are between all of his movies, even though Phantom Thread and There Will Be Blood and The Master feel so different from Licorice Pizza and Boogie Nights. They really are all sort of getting at the same things. You can totally see where he's, where he's coming from, what his sensibilities are, what he's interested in, and all of that stuff. And I think his follow-up movie to Boogie Nights is absolutely delightful. It is also dealing with a lot of similar things about maybe not courage, but like found family and interconnectedness within the the valley. This what is it, San Fernando, San Fernando
0: Valley, which I believe is yeah. where Paul Thomas Anderson is from. Where he, right? so, yeah, where he
1: yeah. grew up. So. Yeah, if you like Boogie Nights and if you're into what Paul Thomas Anderson is putting down and you want something, you want a big swing, you want an audacious movie, Magnolia is the way to go. There's maybe not nothing because he also directed There Will Be Blood, but Magnolia is about as big of a swing that a director can take and like still kind of nail it and I think it's awesome. So it's, that's my it's also first.
0: like the same cast. Like everyone from this movie is in that movie.
1: Yeah, John um, C. Riley, Philip Baker Hall, the woman who plays Don Cheadle's wife, whose name I'm forgetting at the moment. Yeah, I believe she's in Magnolia. Walters. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah,
0: that's a good pick. And the like the the Don Cheadle scene feels like it could be out the the donut shop Don Cheadle scene feels like it could yeah. be out Magnolia.
1: A hundred percent. Or guys- the Don Cheadle stereo, like first stereo sale.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he, he feels like like it feels like a little bit, not a test run, but like, you know, he, I'm sure he was thinking of the movie a little bit when he was making this one. And and, um, yeah, I think that's a good pick. It feel it's got the, you know, they're made, they came out two years apart, I think, or three years. Mm-hmm. Apart. Like they came, came out very close to each other. So obviously we're made close to each other. And uh, you can also feel like s- very similar sensibilities to it.
1: The story behind Magnolia and like why it is what it is, is also amazing. So PTA had a really hard time with the studio and getting like a cut that he wanted for Hard Eight. Yes, and because of that, Boogie Nights is in a way a commentary diss towards like people within the industry. Um, he was like, "F you, I'm going to make this insane, bold movie about the porn industry three in the to Hours
0: an NC-17. This
1: this movie.
0: Uh, Boogie Nights, yeah.
1: And he didn't get that, but he, he still, well, we still he got pretty. Close. We still got we still got an, an amazing movie, yeah. And because it was such a great success, and you know, got nominated for Oscars, made a shit ton of money, which is also a wild thought that uh, that this movie can make a ton of money. You know, you'd think that this would be something that not a lot of people see in theaters, but then gains traction over mm-hmm. the years. But because of all that, the studio was like, "You can do whatever." the fuck you want to do (laughs) you can make whatever movie you want you can make it however long you want we don't care you get final cut you get final say we're not going to see it we're just going to distribute it and we got the weirdness that is magnolia so sometimes it doesn't work but with paul thomas anderson it does
0: Uh, my number two is uh, a little website called pornhub.com Not actually but what if i did that (laughs) It's actually probably exactly like um, Jack Horner would probably hate Pornhub. Um, oh, yeah.
1: It takes but, all the all the art, all the sexy out of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, my number two, very different, uh, White Men Can't Jump. Uh, because LA movie, that is like a different part of LA. It's not a, there's a lot of Hollywood LA movies. And this is sort of a Hollywood movie, but not really. It's a filmmaking movie. There's a lot of, obviously, every city, there's cops and robbers, crime movies. Um, but white man can't jump, uh, which is I guess there will be a remake out of it by the time this podcast comes out. But uh, one of my all time favorite movies, and does a great job. It's a different LA. It takes you into like an LA world that you would never think of, which is the street basketball uh, Venice Beach world. It's very, very, very different movie than Boogie Nights, obviously. But I wanted to do a movie that tackles a different a subculture within a world within a, a place that you associate one specific culture with and remember that there's there's other people hanging out there
1: i absolutely adore that pick i've i always keep white men can't jump in my back pocket for recommendations because it works i love that me. movie so it's much yeah. and it could work for so many things i actually almost recommended that for blade runner as another <laughs> la movie
0: <laughs> oh there you go we're um, on the same page there
1: yeah but I'm, I'm glad you you recommended it you're also you know you're coming on as our sports guy. Yeah, exactly. So we got a sports movie out of you. Okay. For my second pick might be a bit of a stretch, but I mentioned before, I'm a huge sucker for Don Cheadle. If you like Don Cheadle in ensemble movies, there's maybe nothing better for that than Ocean's 11.
0: Uh, I thought you were going to say the Avengers.
1: Oh no, <laughs> not at all. But yes, Don uh, Cheadle,
0: Ocean's 11. Great
1: another great Don Cheadle performance in an ensemble cast. So that's my second pick.
0: Yeah. Great. I mean, Ocean's 11, one of the best ever. Yeah. Um, so I went for my third pick. I had a couple written down one. I had Babylon, but I feel like we talked a little too much about Babylon to make a yeah. recommendation. So I went with just my favorite actor from the movie and my favorite, like not obvious performance of his, uh, I said, talented Mr. Ripley um, because Philip Seymour Hoffman, different, very oh, different character than Scotty J. Yeah. but. Probably my favorite, Philip Seymour Hoffman playing like the rich asshole college kid. Yeah, um,
1: great shout.
0: I also just read the book, *The Secret History*, which is like a college book. Like it's about a, a campus crime story. It's a kind of famous book, Donna Tartt, who yeah. I think later won a Pulitzer, maybe. Um, but nice, uh, yeah. So I, I was, I was kind of in that college. Yeah, Rich asshole vibe And seeing Philip Seymour Hoffman Reminded me I should watch of Mr. Ripley again Because underrated movie
1: Pretty underrated movie I feel like that movie doesn't get enough love Okay, I know what I want to go with For my number three Do I you had... throw a lot
0: honorable mentions at the end? or uh...
1: No, I try to be pretty strict about okay. Keeping it at three You know, we've had
0: Yeah, yeah I've heard, Duke, who heard is some, a... some rule breakers On here
1: yeah, Duke is still serving a suspension for for breaking the rules. Even though he's going to be back next week, but we'll, uh, we'll make uh, sure. I that I mentioned uh, the
0: one other thing I had written down? I didn't mention it earlier when we were talking because I wasn't sure if I wanted to save it. Yeah, uh, Taxi Driver because he goes to watch porn in the theater.
1: <laughs> okay, well now that you broke the rules, you're going to be suspended from from the show for for a couple of weeks. But that is a great shout. I was thinking about Taxi Driver too. <laughs> so my number three is kind of in the same vein as your number 1 because Paul Thomas Anderson loves Heim and like me wants to be the fourth Heim sister. I'm going to recommend a Heim album, there but I really go. wasn't sure which album to to recommend, but I decided I'm going to recommend Something to Tell, which is their second album, and I'm recommending this one over the other two, which I like more. I'm recommending this one because this was when the Heim sisters had like just met Stevie Nicks and were really into their Fleetwood Mac sort of mm-hmm. vibe, which is you know kind of seventies, kind of boogie nightsy. Maybe not in the same vein, but similar, similar enough that I thought it would be a good connection. So, yeah, check out Heim if you don't, because they're awesome. And specifically, check out Something to Tell. Uh, I was because
0: uh, PTA directs a lot of their music videos. Um, yeah. I was trying to look up whether they made his any when he made any music videos for this, but apparently he made a a documentary about the making of this album uh called Oh Valentine. nice. So I there's a I love, recommendation within a recommendation.
1: I think it's hilarious that I think two things about PTA are hilarious. Well, three. I think it's hilarious you, that PTA porn? is well, that's a new one. That's a new favorite <laughs> for me. I love that this dude is one of the most talented directors maybe of all time, but he's one, just like a guy who really likes watching NBA basketball. (laughs) You know, like he's just like a chill dude like that.
0: Is he a Lakers fan? I would guess he's a Lakers fan, right?
1: Probably a Lakers fan. Yeah. Two, that his partner is Maya Rudolph. Yeah. That's who seems like her professional work. seems like it cannot be any more different from PTA. You're like, wait, the guy who directed Phantom Thread is, (laughs) In a long-term relationship with Maya Rudolph, like one of the funniest SNL cast members, who does of have all a good time.
0: good appearance in in Licorice Pizza? Myra she Rudolph. does have a
1: great appearance yeah. in in Licorice Pizza. Um, and the third is that he adores Heim and wants nothing more than to be their fourth sister. And it's because
0: <laughs> like, is it, like, their dad, I think, was his.
1: teacher. Their mom was like, yeah. Was, was it his, the mom
0: like, was his teacher? Yeah, in high school
1: yeah Um, he he heard he like heard their music on the radio
0: right because i think it's the real mom and dad play their parents yeah it's the
1: whole family can't recommend licorice pizza enough it's It's such a good movie
0: the heim dad and that is hysterical Hysterical.
1: is your dick circumcised and you're (laughs) jewish (laughs) all right let's do one last run through of recommendations and we'll we'll say our goodbyes
0: okay uh i said licorice pizza which we talked a lot about on this episode. So watch that. Definitely watch that. Like all these other ones are good. Definitely watch that because more people should see that movie. Uh, number two is white Man can't jump. And my third one was talented. Mr. Ripley.
1: Amazing choices. My first one is Magnolia. My second recommendation is oceans 11 for fans of Don Cheadle. And my third one is the album. Something to tell by Heim. Dave. Awesome. We did it. We talked boogie nights. We boogied all night we didn't get addicted to coke we didn't get pulled into the porn industry but yeah this was your time to shine neither of us whipped our dicks out but there's still a couple of minutes so (laughs) (laughs) but no seriously dude thank you so much for for joining i know it's like a super busy time for you so i'm happy that you were able to to get some a little bit of time away from, from work to, to yeah, join man, I, me I, I, to I talk about: a night this movie. watching
0: boogie nights. I, can't, I cannot complain about that.:
1: Is there anything that you want to plug for yourself any upcoming shows or where folks can follow you on Twitter?
0: Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too, if, if you care, or uh, mostly tweet about Miami sports, but I also tweet about movies quite a bit when I have the time. That'll be more of a summer activity. You know, I I would plug like to follow the Miami Herald and subscribe to the Miami Herald, but I know most people listening to this probably aren't from Miami. So like I said, subscribe to your local newspaper and click on the links.
1: (laughs) Keep people employed. Keep people employed. Journalism matters. As much as we like to sit around and talk about movies, Dave does really important work. So we should support journalists. Thank you again for, for hopping on, my dude. We will... Hopefully, have you on again soon? Maybe over the summer when things slow down down there for you. But yeah, until sure. then. when are we we'll doing be... the
0: Super Mario Brothers movie?
1: Absolutely never. <laughs> Next week uh, <laughs> we'll be back with with Rocky, another great movie that is very far from the Super Mario's brother brothers movie. We hope to see you then. Until then, we'll we'll, we'll catch you. At the movies. I feel like every movie podcast signs off like that, so See I kind of hate myself for saying that. <laughs> See you at the cinemas.